I am uh, Johnny. This is Johnny Experimental. This uh, is the first, uh, well, I, I can't say the first. This is the first face-to-face -face I've done. I, I did have a, a get-together with my buddy Ricky a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't have a chance to really record the podcast segment. We had a great live session, but it wasn't uh, something we're going to put on the internet. Um, but I'm here uh, with my buddy, Will Tolbert, and and I, I, I did pronounce your last name correct, right? Uh, you can say Tolbert. Tolbert? Okay, mm -hmm. great. So, Tolbert. And uh, I've met Will through a uh, military brother of mine who I served with. We went to staff sergeant school together. Uh, Will and I have been correspondents ever since. Um, this was, what, two, three years ago? I'd say at least, yeah, over three years. Three years ago? For sure. Um, I believe it was your 34th birthday, 35th birthday? Flip that. I just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot older than that. Right. So, so it was, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, it was a birthday party at a at a at a at a, at a get together down uh, down in a bar that you you like to frequent downtown. Mm -hmm. So okay, cool, right on. So I, I want to make sure I get my story straight. Mm -hmm. How do I know Will? I have him here in my home. Make sure I got the whole thing right. Exactly. Okay. All right, Will. So uh, talk about yourself. Uh, let people know. I know you. Um, people listening have no idea who you are. Some may, um, but go for it. Uh, well, my my name's William Tolbert. Everybody calls me Will. Um, I am 48 years old, originally from St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay uh, area, Florida, out here living in Utah, loving life. I spent almost 21 years in the Air Force. After that, uh, I spent another six years working in civil service for the uh, federal government. Um, due to recent uh, changes in my life, I decided to retire, focus on me. And uh, starting a, a little furniture business uh, that I'm going to do online called Recreate. Recreate, all right. And uh, because basically at this point in my life, I am I'm recreating the wheel. I am pretty much changing everything that, um, that I used to be. And so it, it's scary. It's fun. But, you know, it's an experiment. There you go. And... Basically, as I go every day, I'm recreating the wheel. Yeah, you know? we're living in an experiment every day, right? Yes. And if you're not experimenting, you're missing out. We got all this wonderful time while we're breathing to do some fun stuff. And that's it's a great thing to hear, uh, especially someone like you, knowing you and what you've been through. And uh, the, the similar things that we share through our military career and aftermath of such. Um, it, it's amazing that you know we, we, we can offer our insight to others that may be going through similar things. Uh, especially in their military career. Um, so as, uh, as it stands today, Recreate stood up. You, you left uh, government service, and this is today. Let's talk a little bit about growing up. So you, you said you're from Florida. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so correct. So do you miss the humidity? Um, actually, no, I don't. No? And the funny thing <laughs> is about growing up in Florida, and basically just, you know, when I was younger, we didn't do a lot of traveling, basically between Florida, Georgia, you don't know what humidity is until you actually leave there. Yeah. So I honestly did not know what humidity was until I was 19. I left for the Air Force, and I came home uh, from uh, my technical school, and I'm like, what is all this sticky stuff in the air? <laughs> and so I found out then that is what humidity was. And then as I have uh, gone through my military travels, being stationed everywhere except for the South, you know, 
I got to really know what it was every time I went home. And I love Florida, but I can't live there. <laughs> <laughs> it's sticky, right? Exactly. It's sticky. I, I have a similar experience when I've gone home. Uh, I've flown into Philadelphia before. You get off the airplane. As soon as you leave the terminals and get out, my glasses at the time would just mm-hmm. instantly fog up. Yep, I don't miss this one bit. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, so, uh, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you when you were a little guy, what what did you want to do? What did you aspire to be? Well, I can say that I honestly didn't start thinking about what I wanted to be until I was a teenager. I mean, you know, that's just something that I never really thought about. I mean, obviously, you know, can't be Superman or Batman or right. a Transformer. You know, right? Not rationally. <laughs> so I never really thought about that, but uh. The funny thing was, uh, I remember when I was 12 or 13, I joined the Boy Scouts, and I thought it was cool, and I didn't like it. (laughs) So uh, I did this for about three or four months. My parents spent all this money on these different uniforms and this, that, whatever, and I left before I could even get my first merit badge because I didn't like it. Oh, man. So, you know, I like wearing the uniform, but I didn't like the Boy Scouts. I don't know why, you know. And uh, about two years later, my oldest sister, she is a retired uh, police officer back home. Mm. And at the time, she was working for the uh, St. Petersburg Police Department. And she told me about this uh, organization that she saw kids walking around there that they were dressed like cops, but they were actually considered Boy Scouts, kind of. Uh, It was a program uh, that was actually in the Boy Scouts of America, a different arm of them, a little subsidiary called the Explorer Program. Okay. And so what the Explorers did is they basically took kids between, it was uh, the time I did it, 14 to 21, and they basically showed them a career path. They got to actually do, not particularly, you know, but they got to like see what it was like in a different career field. So in my area, you had law enforcement explorers that got to hang out at the police station. And then you had ones for fire departments and the EMT where they got to wear the uniforms and ride around and learn stuff. And so she uh, asked me if I was interested and I was like, sure, why not? And I went to my first meeting. I remember on a Saturday and I walk in, I'm in my street clothes and I see all these kids walk in and they're dressed like the cops. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh And they got rank on their shoulders and this and that and uh, utility belts and everything. And, uh, Right then and there, I was like, this seems pretty cool. I never thought about law enforcement as a career, but let me go ahead and get into it. And so I got into it, and then I found out that they basically did, like, mock training for the kids to know about stuff. Like, you would go to a fake accident scene or how to uh, um, kill a domestic, you know. Like, some people aren't vibing and basically how to get in there and intervene and knowing that you don't take people in the bedroom or the kitchen because that's where all the weapons are. And then there was firearms training, which was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then I found out that if you were good enough, you got to travel all over the state and uh, participate in firearms um, tournaments on the weekends. And so I never really had an interest in guns or anything, but I did my best to get good. I got on the pistol team. Right. So I got to travel all over, you know, the, state of florida oh wow meeting other kids from different posts as they called them you know as opposed to troops and then you end up you know networking and then you're meeting friends from all over you know the u uh, not the u.s but florida and everything yeah that's your world though at the time as a kid and so it was pretty cool because i was a pretty shy kid in high school yeah and middle school and i didn't have a lot of friends i had some but not a lot but 
in the Explorer world, you know, there was 30 kids that from all over the city that I knew what I could hang out with. And once I started getting into it and got good, I started making rank. And then I basically, you know, built my own social circle of kids that thought I was cool. So I may have been quiet yeah. and a nobody in high school, but yeah. I was the cool kid with the Explorers. And that's all that matters. And, and it was great, yeah. you know. So um, I decided that law enforcement was definitely something that I wanted to get into. And um, at first I was thinking, yeah, I want to be an FBI agent. That would be cool to be a fed that way. Yeah. And um, so that was something that I thought about doing. And I knew that, you know, obviously FBI agent, you got to go to college first and everything. Yeah. And I planned on going to school and I'd got a couple of got a couple of acceptance letters to a couple of different schools. But then I'd say right after I graduated from high school that summer, I decided that I didn't want to go to college right away, but I was not exactly sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I remember I worked at this McDonald's near a mall and uh, there was a couple of strip malls on the way there. And every time I would pass by, there was a recruiting station there. And um, I've had a lot of people in my family in the military. My dad was Navy. Um, my grandfather was army and then you know seeing cousins and uncles coming home on leave for family reunions with their uniforms on and nice shiny accoutrements and i thought that was always cool yeah and i decided well you're not going to college right now and you definitely don't like mcdonald's you have to figure out a plan and so one day i stopped by that recruiting station and uh the guy told me hey you know and I remember it was an army of recruit at first was like, hey, did you take the ASVAB? And I was like, oh, yeah, I think that was that test that I took, you know, in uh, junior year of high school that we basically, me and my friends all took because we got out of school for the rest of the day. Didn't take it seriously or whatever. So he took my information down and he was like, oh, wow, you actually scored pretty good on that test. And I was like, really? Yeah. And he was like, hey, the army, you know, you could pretty much write your ticket and do whatever you want. <laughs> Well, the thing is, <laughs> I'm walking out of the uh, recruiting office and for the Army, but the Army, Navy, Marines, everybody was there, you know, right next to each other. And I walk out, and the Navy guy was like, hey, did you sign with them? No. Well, come on in here. Let me talk to you. And basically every branch, with the exception of the Coast Guard, did that to me. Like, I would walk out, and I just had, like, a armload of pamphlets because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Right. And, uh... The last uh, recruiter I talked to was the Air Force. Mm. And um, I remember, you know, having uh, relatives that were in the Air Force and cousins, this, that, and them telling me about all the different places they've been and how cool it was and this, that, whatever. Right. And then, of course, that recruiter talked crap about all the other recruiters and you're too smart to do this or you're too, you know, you're not dumb enough to do that. Our food is better. Exactly. <laughs> you know, our barracks are better, whatever. Come to us. And so... I decided to do that, and I told him, I said, well, if I'm going to go into the Air Force, I want to be a cop. And the guy was like, well, you know, you can fill out this thing, and we can see what we're going to do for you. And I was like, well, I heard something about guaranteed jobs and stuff. And I said, I remember the Army the guy told stuff, me that. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, we do that too. And I said, well, I'll tell you this right now. I will definitely come into the Air Force, but you got to guarantee that I'm going to be a cop. Yeah. And he was like, well, we'll see what we're going to do. And I was like, well, you know, go for it. But if you can't guarantee that, I'm not going to do that because I didn't want to end up, you know, being a cook or, or mowing mechanic. lawns or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
And it isn't that, you know, I thought I was too good to do that. Just I just want knew I wanted to be a cop. So, your terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah, I'm yeah. going to go in and do that. this, I want to do that. The Army said they'll make me an MP right now, so what's yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so You're putting their life on the line when you sign yeah. that thing, man. That's your, yeah. that's your it, choice. It, exactly. And so a couple weeks later, he got back to me and was like, yeah, you're good. Uh, the only problem is that the schools are filled up right now, and this was uh, 1992. It wasn't like the easy revolving door to go into the military right now where you sign up and two weeks later you're gone. Yep. Um, you're staying in a mega hotel. <laughs> exactly. He was like, you're going to have to wait a little bit to go in. And I was like, okay, what do you mean wait a little bit? And he goes, well, what we can do is we can get you enlisted and put you in the the late entry program. Yeah. And I remember this was August of 1991. And I was like, okay, well, when can I go in under this delayed entry program? He goes, April 1992. I was like, that's like eight months from now. He's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And I was like, okay. And he was like, well, just make sure you keep your nose clean. Don't get in any trouble or anything yeah. during this time. That could affect your enlistment, yada, yada, yada. Also, in the event a slot opens up sooner, we can get you in there sooner. Well, he lied about a slot opening up sooner. So yeah. April 1992, April 9th, actually. So last Friday was 29 years ago. Oh, man. That uh, and, and I'll never forget that day because it also happens to be my dad's birthday. Okay. And my dad claims that the day I left for basic training was the best birthday present he could ever get. <laughs> I was, I'm the youngest kid, so yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, you were the last one to flew out of the cocoa. Exactly. <laughs> so on April 9th, 1992, uh, I went to Tampa International Airport and I got on a Delta Airlines flight for San Antonio. That was also the first time I'd ever flown on an airplane. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so a bunch of different things there, you know. Uh, leaving the state of Florida by plane. Was that the first time you left Florida, too? Uh, I, I'd basically been between Florida and Georgia my entire life. Okay. But that was it, so yeah. Yeah. Um, getting on a plane for the first time. This is the first time I'm ever that far away from home. And I'm also going into the military, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So... I did that, and we got there, um, Lackland Air Force Base, got there, and the you know, buses picked us up from the airport, dropped us off, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. We got off, and we started getting screamed at, and, you know, almost <laughs> 21 years later, I retired as a Master Sergeant, you know. There you go. Five military deployments, uh, six bases, you know, lots of friends and all over the world. you got to do your dream job. Yeah, the whole damn and, and time. I got to do it. Go. Yeah, yeah. I was a cop the entire time. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And that 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 uh, that time in the service, uh, I know for for me at least, gave me a lot of perspective of like, hey, this you know this is giving me the stepping stones I need to get to the next spot, whatever it's going to be. I was a mechanic, so I had a different perspective, you know. Uh, but one thing I was close to a lot of cops in my time in the service. I felt like uh, my best friends that were not mechanics in the service were cops. And guess what? Vice versa yeah. with me. Yeah. Uh, we just hung out at the same places. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that and also on the flight line, you know, Yeah. I, I came in as a security troop originally. So over half my career was spent guarding planes. Yeah. And so, yeah, you would get to know the guys out there. and We're both familiar with the assets, man. When they, mm -hmm. when they train you, they train you to take care of a $46 million baby. And you're mm -hmm. sitting there going, well, either you're turning a wrench on it or you're sitting in a car making sure nobody's jumping on it. Exactly. 
Yes, very true. So, yeah. so retirement happened. Retirement hit. You, you, you've got a family. I've got a family. I mean, mm-hmm. We don't have to talk too much about family, but I, I know that my time in the service definitely gave me the opportunity to have a family. It mm-hmm. would have been hard for me where I was at in my life to even consider having a family at the mm-hmm. time. I think I think my daughter she was she was a fifty eight dollar baby when we fin- when we finalized oh, exactly. the bill. And it's like, man, how great! And now I'm looking at the economy and the world today, and it's like I. I I'd have a hard time having a child today. Even with the time that I have right now, it's like I want to focus on helping all these other people and getting these stories out and doing these things. And I'm going to give my daughter all the time she needs. Don't get me yes, wrong. Yes, definitely. Because um, she's going to, she, she's already taking full advantage of it. Um, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so retirement happened. You got a family. You're starting up. You're starting up this company, um, and, and you're doing this thing, and you're, you're going to school too. Yes, you, yes, so you, I am. You're you're doing a, a you're in your master's degree. Is this like yes. your fifth master's degree, or is this <laughs> this is the first one? Well, well, this is going to be the first one that I'm actually going to complete. Okay, <laughs> I ain't gonna go. lie. I've got a couple of pieces of a few masters out there that I just you know didn't want to do it. Uh, basically. I've got an uh, associate's degree in paralegal studies. Yeah. Uh, I got an associate's in police science. And then my bachelor's is in criminal justice and forensic psychology. Okay. So you're pretty well versed with yeah. I mean, you, You've been living that dream job the whole way through, even yeah. with your education. Yeah. And so um, I was looking at an MBA and I tried it and I just didn't like it. Mm. So I left school for a couple of years. And then I started a master's in psychology because I'm going, okay undergraduate in uh, forensic psychology. Why not? Didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, then I tried information technology. Didn't like it. Yeah. But now um, I'm doing this uh, communications and social media. Okay. And uh, it's a, a master of arts, something that I hadn't looked at as well. Everything else was always master of science. Business you know? and science or something. Yeah. And um, I definitely like the, the perspective of how – the instruction is and the professors are, you know, I mean, I could definitely tell a, a difference between now a science and arts. Uh, my wife has an undergrad in arts and she definitely told me the same thing is that you can tell the difference in the instruction, just the assignments, the things that they require you to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, this is part of me recreating myself is that I'm completely jumping out of my comfort zone the pool is cold, and I jumped in with all my clothes on, but I'm not drowning. I'm, right. I'm thriving. You're and enjoying so, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is, you You have the right to say, trust me, I've tried everything else, and I'm actually liking this. Yeah. I, I have to be front, too. I, I got a lot of credits out of the way, time and service. You know, they say, go get mm-hmm. your CCAF. It'll open up doors. You know, mm-hmm. the only door, well, I, it didn't open up any door. I didn't get the CCAF because right. I realized before taking that jump, and I'm not saying it's a bad degree. Right. But as an aircraft mechanic, it would have prepped me to go be an A and P. I didn't really want to work on airplanes for the rest of my life. I kind mm-hmm. of figured it out at about two years in that hey, this isn't this, this isn't, isn't what I'm doing. Yeah, I was doing IT before I got in. I got a special duty up at Hill, did my thing. But I was fortunate, you know. A lot of people don't don't get that. And yeah. You, but we're fortunate to find those things that we like and don't like by being able to understand that we don't like them and moving on, as opposed to sitting there going, "Well, I got this criminal justice degree now, and everything's going to have to be based around it now. I've set my whole life up for this." You didn't do that to yourself. You, and you, and the thing is, I have friends that have done that, yeah. and there is nothing wrong with that at all. Sure. If that is where you want to be at, right. 
that's that's fine. Yeah. But I mean, even and it's okay to try twenty different things. Exactly. I, I mean, even after I left the military, you know, I've been a pharmacy tech. Um, I've worked in a call center at the VA and, and been a benefits counselor. Yeah, you know, I VA uh, I, I've worked as a program analyst and I also am a certified health coach and I did that and I got paid to do that. That's awesome. You know, so, you know, I mean, the way I see it is that for me, change has been good yeah. because I've been able to and I've been lucky enough because I know a lot of people aren't able to do this to, to bounce around and try a few different things. And guess what? If you don't like it, go and do something else. Yeah, don't 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 get emotionally attached to something that you're unsure about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for sure. And it goes with a lot of things, not just your career. Exactly, <laughs> or or as I like to say, getting into a soul draining activity. There you go. Where there be a a relationship or work or just something that you subscribe to that you definitely you're not feeling it. Yeah. Why keep doing that if you don't have to? Find something else, and you may have to experiment right, and right. try a few things out. And if you don't like them, that doesn't mean you failed. That just means you know what you don't like. Yeah. And that's the way I see it. For everything that I've changed up and done for a little bit and decided not to, I wasn't quitting because it was too hard. I stopped because I didn't like it or it wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. You know, or fulfilling to me. Right. Yeah. That's the so there's that. Uh, What's that uh, book? It's called How Fools Your Bucket. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, you know, if you haven't read it, it, if you have read it, I'll say it for those that haven't read it. You, you have a ladle and, you, and you, you dip into your bucket and pour into others' bucket. And, and the reward is, is that, you know, you're, you're, you're giving. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. If, if you're doing something and, and you feel like you're not able to give back an equal amount, if it's just not interesting to you, if you're not compassionate about it, you're right. Go on. Just, just find something else. Find something that makes you tick. Find something that makes you ring. And that's, that's kind of what happened with both of us, right? With yeah. our retirement. At the, mm-hmm. We say retirement. We're far from retired. I, I'm, I think I've been more busy now than yes. I've been since I was employed mm-hmm. um, on a nine to five. And yeah. it's great because we, you know, we make, here we are. We make our schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, we commit the time to do good things um, because. And, and with this mutual good with our free time and sharing our messages and, and, and sharing time and sharing uh, good vibes to everybody out there, um, we're, we're doing something that you can't do at a nine to five job. That's, uh, exactly. that's soul draining work. Yeah. Um, and I'm not putting down people that have a nine to five. Not, at all. Done, not, not saying at all. that at all. But I know that many people that work a nine to five would absolutely agree with us and go, man, like this job sucks like i yeah. wish i could do something else plenty of people think that and i you know what the message here and and, and and why i have will here today is to specifically point out that hey look it's okay to go this mm-hmm. does suck what can i do to really pick it up and go and do my mm-hmm. next best thing yeah and uh and that's what's about so so recreate stood up you, you left uh you left the job you were with the va shortly you worked with another department shortly. with the department of labor the and labor. uh I actually was there for five months. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I did the IRS for a little, a little, little over two years. Mm-hmm. I think is is the last. And so we both kind of hit that. We're done with the civil service thing. Yeah. We put our time in. I think you've done twenty plus years uh, as a civil servant, and I count military yeah. with that. Well, basically, uh, yeah, almost twenty seven years. So. Yeah, twenty seven years, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm just just under ten myself, mm-hmm. and that was enough time for me even yeah. to go, hey, you know, I, I did did my part. Proud to do it. Yeah, uh, by wouldn't, all wouldn't means, change it at yeah, all. wouldn't change it at all. But but here we are doing our thing. So I'm stoked to hear more about recreate and and what's your 
what's your objective uh, with the company itself? Uh, I say company. What's your objective overall? Is it it's the fulfillment? Uh, explain that. Explain what took you there. Um, well, basically, recreate is something that um, I've been doing a majority of my life and didn't realize that it was coming to this. Um, my mom used to like to go to thrift stores and flea markets, swap meets, as some people may call them, yard sales, estate sales, whatever, and find stuff that people didn't value and make it look good again and make it pretty. And she would either keep it for herself or if she had too much of it, she would sell it for a profit. And this is something that I enjoyed watching her do uh, as a teenager. I actually helped her out with some stuff. And then even in my homes, you know, over the years, I've always been a fan of going and finding those treasures. Mm -hmm. And just, but usually it was something personal that I would find and then I would just make it nice for myself and put it in the house, you know? And so when I realized that um, I didn't want to do the nine to five grind again, I was like, what can I do? What can I do that is fun? That is kind of like a hobby, but kind of like a job, but it isn't something that I have to do all the time, but something that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't basically invest more time in yeah. if I had That's the soul, time. soul filling. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically recreate was born out of my, my, my love of finding something that either somebody didn't treasure or treat right or no longer wants and making it nice or pretty, as you say, and selling it. Yeah. 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 Um, and the thing is with me doing something like that, I am able to, because I'm very particular about the pieces that I, I pick, am able to give a person who may not be able to afford to shop at a higher end store some good quality furniture at a discount price. Mm -hmm. Unique, too. One of a kind. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. way you but, treat but, it is one of a kind. Exactly, because the thing is, I'm not just buying something and putting some varnish on it and going, here you go. Right. Every piece that I turn out is going to be an original. Yeah, it's not pictures. going to. I'll put some pictures up on the video feed for people that are watching on the YouTube side. Yeah, and it's it's not going to podcast. It's not going website. to look like what it looked like when I got it. Yeah, and I've still got some bigger stuff that I I just got to get are around doing, to doing. You're doing some before and after pictures. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would love to see some of those because I've seen your lamp. I saw the lamp that you put up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I saw the lamp for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you put anything else up, but um. uh, there's a couple of like uh, raw iron pieces and everything. Okay. Smaller stuff. That was just to, to put something up. Yeah. But I, I've got some wood and I've got a nice wooden furniture. I've got a storage unit cool. that I keep that stuff in that I've already decided what I'm going to do with it. I just want the weather to get better so I right. can do it. Yep. And we're getting there. But um, yeah, basically. We have snow next week, I think. I know. And so <laughs> that kind of slows down stuff because I like to drive my stuff outside. I don't want to be inside and, you know, having all those fumes and everything yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's definitely something that, um, you know, like I said, I'm doing it one day at a time. Uh, I hope to, within the next year, to rent a space here where we live where it's basically my workshop slash studio. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 
Because I'm not in a rush to make a profit. Right. Because my livelihood or my family's livelihood does not depend on me churning out stuff at a quick rate. Right. I can make take my time with it. And that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm just slow rolling it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing it because you, you love it. Yeah. And that's that's the most important thing. I think that the message here and what this is all about is finding that thing that you're passionate about. Um that you you know you could you could make a million dollars with it if you wanted to, mm-hmm. but that's not really your desire. Your desire no. is to do it to enjoy it. Um, is it something you said it's been happening your whole life? It's funny because my mother, who who will listen to this, I'm ho- I hope your mother listens to this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is an antiquer also, mm-hmm. and it's one one of the things that she came out and said to me uh, the other day. I saw her we have a bus back east a couple weeks ago. She said, uh, "I hope you." Hope you got a big storage room for all these antiques I keep picking. Because <laughs> when I go, you're gonna have to put them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I know that. I know that vibe. It's, it's amazing because I might have some pieces coming your way, even from that collection. I'm saying, hey man, I don't. You could probably do something really cool with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you had something you could, and I'll, I'll put it, let's say, tell 21 year old you today you know Mm -hmm. the knowledge that you have today and let's say it's a 21 year old that passionate about whatever they're passionate about it could be Mm -hmm. anybody but specifically for you you've got the experience of someone that really wanted to be a cop Mm -hmm. Um, someone who's taken a lot of different flavors in life the master's degree trek shows that yeah Um, what would you say to 21 year old you um i would definitely tell him you know to basically just not pigeonhole himself. Mm. You know, it's okay to experiment with things. And I don't mean like illegal things or things that hurt other people, sure. but it's it's okay to experiment with, with different things that life has to offer. Um, I would have also have told him to take more pictures of all these places in Europe you went to. That is one thing that I even talk with my wife about that I'm like, I could kick my own butt right now because I spent four years traveling all over Europe. I was stationed in Germany, but I never stayed there for long Mm. on the weekends and being able to get on cheap flights and planes. And I probably have eight pictures to show for it. Oh man. And that's horrible because you know, those are memories now. Yeah. Uh, I have a heavy social media presence now. And it's honestly because I do it more for me and for my kids yeah. than anybody else. And, and of course the wife, because I like to take pictures of stuff because I'm creating memories. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, um, you know, I never really thought about, you know, um, younger, but I could definitely tell you this, the person that decided to put a camera in a phone is a freaking genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you that I'm not joking. I know if, if you think about it now, because I mean, in the '90s, there were no cell phones or anything around. You're and, beeping, dude. You were yeah. beeping at the hip. And and, <laughs> and usually, you know, if I was out and about hanging out with friends, I didn't want some camera dangling off me because that made you a target for pickpockets and thieves and whatnot. Or either you go to Oktoberfest, you had three or four too many, and now you don't know where your camera is. Those lenses get scratched. You know. Oh man. But um, yeah, I can definitely say that the person that did that is a genius. I mean, because guess what? I get to take pictures wherever I go. These smartphones now, most of them have lenses and and 
you know, things that are better than a camera you could go buy in a store. Oh, yeah. You know, so it, it's great that, you know, life is 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 more portable now. Yeah, you know, really you is. don't have to take as much stuff with you, really you know. Is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I would have told him that. And then also, you know, I would also told him, you know, to watch. I'm not going to say watch. To actually learn what money is. Mm-hmm. That's something that I didn't learn later in life. Same. And didn't quite understand it. I just thought it was something that you used to. Just burn it when you got with the pay bills. Smoke it when you got exactly. <laughs> and then realize, you know, what it actually is and the power behind it. And and it isn't even about being wealthy, but just of having that resource at your disposal. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a security in an ever mm-hmm. in an ever growing economic world. Uh yeah. <laughs> with a lot of uncertainty. So that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh Anything else for twenty-one-year-old you? Any 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 important message? Um, um, actually, no. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think that you know, up until now, I'm going to be forty-nine. You know, in August, I've lived a full life. I've done more than twenty members of my family combined. Yeah. You know, and for that, I am proud of. I definitely thank you know, the U S air force for all the experiences I've had and all the people I've met Mm -hmm. and all the places and things that I've gotten to do and how me leaving Florida, because I'd been there for 19 years and it never really went anywhere else. How even just five years into my military service, how much my life had changed, how much my outlook had changed Mm -hmm. being exposed to different people and cultures. But then I got to do it for another 15 years after that. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, not a lot of things. You know, I, I did stuff that 21-year-olds do. Yeah. Young, dumb, and stupid, but sure. I didn't hurt or kill anybody, right. you know. <laughs> I'm still here to talk about it, you know. The important part is you, you kept trying the whole way through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing that definitely 21-year-old me needed a little bit of encouragement to keep with stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep at it, you know. Hey, if, if it's going this way you know, keep at it try something mm-hmm. else try something else don't don't get don't get hung up on what other people think yeah well uh, well and and that was one thing too that uh i just laugh at now is that when i was younger you know i still i i looked for that and longed for that acceptance and you know even though i never knew i you know i knew i was never a cool kid sure i always wanted to be liked by them and now it's like I don't, I don't care. I got stuff. I got stuff to do. Yeah. If you like me, that's great. If you don't, that's fine that's too. Cool. Cause I know people that do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got it both ways too, my mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, I don't, I don't have um, much else uh, to take up your time with. Um, but uh, I do very much appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here. I know you got a busy schedule today. Mm-hmm. I've got another interview with one a guy, a guy that I served with, uh, that I went to my first shop with in the Air Force, actually. Awesome. And he's a uh, uh, Anthony, and uh, he's got uh, his own yoga web thing that he's doing, uh, and he's doing um, dietitian stuff. He's a chef. He's a culinarian oh, nice. by trade. Um, awesome, bro. So he's he's he. I get to get him in today, but we're gonna be doing it over the internet mm-hmm. on Zoom. So. Uh, I like the face-to-face because this is I, I, I feel much more connected, um, but the Internet does wonderful things for situations mm-hmm. that we can't control. So, oh, yeah. Um, well, I appreciate it, Will. Thank you very much. Uh, I will, uh, 
I will say bye to everyone else and we'll wrap this up. Oh yeah. Well, uh, goodbye everybody. And, uh, thank you for having me today. This was great. And, uh, just to let you know, you know, anytime you want me back, let me know and we can do something. Yeah. I think we definitely want to get uh, recreate up on a feature. Mm-hmm. I think we definitely want to get some pieces showcased. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I tell you a lot of my family connections, so forth being North Carolina, of course, furniture of course. capital of the world. Oh yeah, so definitely. I know some people that like furniture, so mm-hmm. I think we can definitely do something there. With that being said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get back together. All right. Definitely. All right. All right bye.